0: up, energy fam. This is Justin, and welcome back to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. My goal with each episode is to deconstruct the minds of today's energy thought leaders to uncover their framework and tools used in their journeys of providing energy to the world. So sit back, relax, and remember that everything you see around you requires some form of energy. Welcome back to this week's episode. I'm here at the Digital Wildcatters Evolve or Die studio with my man Colin McLean, a.k.a. Slap, a.k.a. Oil God, founder of Digital Wildcatters. Colin, it's been a minute since we've been on the mic. How you been, man? I can't man? believe you just threw out the uh, oil God. That's old school.
1: Well, I mean, fuck. You have to be an old school friend of mine to <laughs> get that reference. So,
0: <laughs> I think it was self-proclaimed, too. Yeah, no, no, it
1: very much was. I mean, <laughs> no one gave me that title except for myself. I ordered coffee mugs with it and everything. But it's funny because you know why? Back then on Twitter, no one was talking about oil and gas. It was all just like, I was involved with crypto Twitter and that was about it. And so uh-huh. I needed a handle and I was just like, oil God. Then once energy Twitter kind of started building up, I was like, okay, this is kind of like pretentious. <laughs> and then <laughs> no, I got, I and then I got frack there. slap. There's an engineer somewhere out there. That he came up, it was a Society of Petroleum Engineer conference, and he was talking about these things called frack hits. Okay. Anyways, he said there was a spectrum of frack hits. He had some frack slaps, some frack kicks. And so I got that name frack slap from okay. some engineer out there.
0: Dude, so that's funny because <laughs> I was going to ask you how that like evolved. like You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a very unique, but it's catchy, right? I need, yeah, I need to find out
1: who the engineer was that came up with that spectrum because I definitely owe him a uh, steak dinner. So <laughs> Right?
0: I think that one's going to stick, right? Like that one, frack oh, yeah. slap is... I mean, my kids call me frack slap. so <laughs> That's yeah. great. I'm legally frack slapped now. <laughs> That's hilarious. There's a dude on Twitter. It was funny because I think you might have actually got me on the energy fin twit a long time ago, but there was this dude on there. I think he's called Lil Pump or Lil Frack. I don't know. There's a Lil Frack Slap. There's a Lil Pump Jackski. Lil Pump Jacksky, And it was funny because he would like throw darts at you every once in a while. And so I don't no, know. If so you- Lil Pump Jackski was me oh it was i started that one little frack slap is
1: a young bright up-and-coming engineer okay maybe little frack slap he's always taking
0: shots maybe that's the one yeah. i was thinking about <laughs> yeah because yeah. i knew it was harmless but i was like yeah this dude's like no pretty he's brave he I just throws that. shots no, at i you. love that dude right which you got to respect Yeah, it.
1: he's one of my favorite people in the industry so yeah like he's actually the future of oil and gas and so nice uh, yeah, is he he's pretty
0: anonymous though
1: yeah, a little bit. Cool. Uh, well, if you're
0: on Twitter, follow him.
1: <laughs> it's funny because he was here in my office and we're up here one late night drinking and the CEO of a big oil and gas company was here too with us. And uh told the CEO, I was like, hey, you know, a little frag slap on Twitter. he's like, yeah, I love that guy. I'm like, that's him right there. Boom. CEO ended up hiring him. And so now he's Are one of their serious? reservoir engineers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that is so cool, man. That's the like cool stuff around oil and gas that like nobody knows about. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like these little stories and these little like networking things that weave in and out of like people's careers. It's very
1: much a handshake industry, right? And very much a personal relationship. And I think we're starting to get out of the like good boy network, but it's still very much like handshake relationship driven. And so that's one thing I love about it because it's got a ton of great characters, great people. You know, the the industry will reward you if you just go out there and meet people and network. Yeah,
0: no, that's so true. And we can definitely touch on that, but I want to make sure that, I mean, you guys have been on a freaking rocket ship and I'm excited to give the listeners a taste of what's to come while talking about Fuse, which is a big one coming up, which according to your billboard is an energy conference that doesn't suck. And you certainly (laughs) don't have to wear a suit. And I want to provide value for the people listening because most people listen to like the first three minutes and then they probably switch it off. But what is Fuse? And then we'll get into the life of Colin McLean. Yeah. So
1: Fuse is the South by Southwest of energy tech. And so when you think about it, the energy industry's always had these conferences and they're boring, they're stale, they're in convention centers. And so we came up with this idea back in 2018, there needs to be a South by Southwest of energy tech. And we wanted to bring together all energy verticals. And it's funny because what's happened in the world now, it's needed more than ever. You need a platform that can bridge traditional energy and new energy. So bring together all the verticals from oil and gas, renewables, geothermal, hydrogen, you know, batteries and electric vehicles, And really, ultimately, we always took the approach of we want it to be a big party with a lot of content injected into it. And so it's festival style, it's outdoors. You know, we got, I think, four blocks blocked off down in East Downtown Houston. It's all at breweries. And so it's just a completely different look from the traditional oil and gas or broader energy industry. And that's what we want to do. We want to have these collisions happen. And, you know, these collisions, we just talked about it. All these people, you get a bunch of smart, forward-thinking people together in the room these collisions happen. Those are the catalysts for ideas and collaboration and opportunity. And we've seen it time after time at our previous events, whether it's Empower or Energy Tech Night. So that's what we try to do with the events is build community and meaningful
0: relationships. Yeah. And you guys have done a phenomenal job at it. And you've disrupted not only just like the networking space, the content space, the energy tech space. I mean, it's crazy to see what you guys have done. And, you know, again, just just kind of sit on the sidelines and since back in the day we knew each other and to kind of watch at arm's length what you guys have been doing. I try to be involved as much as I can. You know, we're all busy, but dude, you're one of our biggest supporters. I mean, <laughs> think about it, dude. You were on some of the
1: earliest episodes of our first podcast. You remember yeah. we had a little closet back there with the kitchen dining That's table true, and yeah. a floor lamp from Target. Now look at our studio that we're recording in. Like, I this know, is it's, like it's 10 crazy. Times better. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I remember <laughs>
0: back in the day, you'd call me like, dude, can you come here in like an hour? We need someone to get on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, you know how it is as a content creator. You just got to be scrappy and make some things happen. Dude, that's so. so true. Well, no. So for those out there, it's going to be, remind everyone about the dates again.
1: October 26th and 27th in Perfect. Houston. Yep, so that's all, it. All day event, big party, got free beer starting, I think, at four o'clock and then- Got entertainment, so no, it'll be a good time.
0: That's going to be great. Great speaker lineup too. Obviously, like top notch. I mean, the who's who's of the energy industry. So you have Toby
1: Rice coming and talking about the future of LNG. You have Mike Skelly, who is the man in renewables. You have Jane Stricter, who is over the Houston Energy Transition Initiative over at Greater Houston Partnership, and you know we're really aligned with the city of Houston and what the city can become. And so you know, Jane's just an amazing person. And then yeah, I mean, Tim Latimer, CEO of Fervo Energy, which is one of the leading geothermal companies. So, if you want to come learn about anything and everything energy and get some cross pollination, like this is the place to be for sure.
0: Yeah, I got a taste of that at power. And that was more of like a sort of focused around Bitcoin mining yeah. and that, which yeah. again was like probably the first sort of Bitcoin energy merge the first one in the world. No one was doing yeah. it. Yeah. It's kinda of hard to describe because it's so new, right? But <laughs> yeah. but ultimately it was like I met people that had been a lot of times like former oil and gas who then transitioned into Bitcoin mining or are doing, you know, a combination of both. But it's saying that it was like the ROI for my time and I was only able to kind of pop in and out for a couple hours each day. But like every handshake, every person I met there was intent. It was like, hey, how can we work together? Like I can imagine Fuse is going to be like that. Yeah. on just we about
1: open source, collaboration. You know, it's interesting because our events manager, Sydney, she didn't work with us during Empower, but we were in the interviewing process. And I said, hey, why don't you stop by Empower and just come see what it's about? And she got there and her feedback was, she's like, you know, everything's great on logistics and everything. But she's like, you know what sticks out to me? Look at everyone talking to each other and having a good time. She's like, do you know how hard that is to do at events? And you think about it like, These other industry events, you go there and send these convention centers and it's real stale and stuffy. I'm a very extroverted person and it's even awkward for me to just like go up to someone and talk to them. At our events, it's just not that way because it's all about the setting and it's all about the rails that we've built it on to have essentially remove the friction in those interactions. And so that's what we care about is how can we actually get people talking and have higher ROI on time? You know, Empower was very unique because yes we're bringing bitcoin miners together with energy companies and bitcoin mining is energy infrastructure they're looking for cheap and reliable energy and man we had bitcoin miners you know ceos of some of the biggest bitcoin mining pools coming down from seattle coming from international had people from all over the world yeah dude i met people and from just, everywhere. It was and, crazy. and just boom, intermingling
0: yeah. at this brewery in <laughs> yes. Houston. After and- a fucking tsunami of rain. Yes.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> Which is like- Yeah, first two hours of the event, we went through a hurricane.
0: Yeah. And I was actually added to the experience. People are like, I went through that shit
1: together. Dude, and that so- was crazy because
0: it was raining and there was like just like this dark cloud that just passed through downtown and smashed you guys. And I was thinking, man, this is going to be nuts. And then of course I started seeing like people on Twitter and LinkedIn and stuff taking pictures. Like
1: we out here, like <laughs> we're not leaving. I'm going to give you the first person perspective <laughs> yeah, of like what it felt that. like to be in our shoes. <laughs> Cause, you know, we're getting a couple days out towards the event and all of a sudden you start seeing some reports of rain showers, rainstorms. And anyways, it's like, you know, 20, 30%. And we're like, okay, we'll be all right. Yeah. Then you start getting up to the night before and it's like, okay, it's definitely raining tomorrow. And <laughs> yeah. I kid you not, I wake up at like four o'clock the next morning and I'm checking on the storm. And it's moving into Houston, but they're saying it's going to stay north of I-10 and we were south of I-10. So I'm like, okay, we're going to miss it. Yeah. And also I was like, no one's going to come right at nine o'clock when this thing opens up. I was wrong about that. Everyone showed up at nine o'clock and we only had, I think like three people doing registration. Yeah. And so, I mean, the line just going down the block and this storm just rolls right over us. You have people down the block and the storm is just coming in. You know, we have our first session going. Coley, who's one of the founders of Crusoe Energy, is giving a keynote and he's in this outdoor tent, the tent's packed full of people. And this tent is literally water coming in the tent because it's out in the middle of the street and it's like flooding. And so, yeah. And then it was like two hours of that. And then all of a sudden- it's the most beautiful weather you could Dude, have asked for amazing. for the next two days. Yeah, then it was stuff. just like sunshine. And then no everyone cloud. had like that war story of going through it. And so everyone like felt bond. It's weird how you people build community off of bonds of going through yeah. adversity. Yeah, And that added to the event. And Totally. And hindsight, like one... Next year's in power. We're moving it to the beginning of March because I went and looked at statistical data of rainfall. Good <laughs> To point. make sure that we mitigate that.
0: Yes. And so, as you get in
1: April, it's more you know rainy season. And gotcha. So,
0: anyways, and March uh, will be beautiful. I mean, even if it's like slightly chilly, it'll be nice because you'll be yeah. outside anyways. Yeah, little yeah. sweater, or so, whatever. So that's yeah, a good call. Yeah, that was a, a hell of a war story. To, that to, was. But like you said, it, it adds to the story. And it adds to just like, it's kind of a parallel with entrepreneurship, right? Like you plan for it and then you just get punched in the mouth and you adapt.
1: You get punched in the mouth and what are you going to do? You figure out what your plan is and you move forward and you can't be stressed. You just have to figure out what's the next steps. And so that's, yeah. I mean, it's a perfect parallel for entrepreneurship at a at a high level.
0: <laughs> no kidding. Well, uh, before we keep going here, I just want to remind all the listeners that I'm currently opening up sponsorship opportunities for Wicked Energy. If any energy-focused companies are looking to increase brand marketing, visibility, and awareness around your company's initiatives through the podcast, hit me up and we'll figure out a way to work together. Let's kind of like back up a little bit in the Is You started off in oil and gas, originally from Midland, Texas, you know, hit the entrepreneurial life, hit the ground running there. But tell us, I mean, what was it like growing up in Midland? I mean, were you always interested in oil and gas, but like kind of back up to like the early days of Colin and then yeah. share the journey. Yeah,
1: I actually wasn't interested in oil and gas. And I actually knew very little about oil and gas, actually nothing about oil and gas growing up. You know, growing up in Midland, have you ever seen the movie October Sky?
0: A long time ago.
1: Yeah. So it's about this kid that grows up in a mining town. I think it's West Virginia and he wants to be a rocket scientist. And he ends up, the whole movie is about him growing up and becoming a rocket scientist for NASA. But his dad was a coal miner, you know, they're like fourth generation coal miners. And it's kind of how like Midland is, you know, it's a mining town. And it has this gravitational pull where you just can't escape the oil and gas industry. But in high school, you know, I graduated high school in 2008. And the years leading up to that, I was fascinated by the internet and e-commerce specifically. There was no such thing as Shopify. I was buying books like the eBay Bible back in like 2002. And I'm just like, You can make money on the internet. Like you can sell things on the internet. Right. And so I was obsessed with selling things and wanted to start e commerce stores, drop shipping. Like no one was talking about drop shipping back then. And that's what I was fascinated with to the point where I nearly filled out of high school because I had no interest in school. I just wanted to build businesses. I graduated in 2008, which was right in the middle of the Great Recession. And oil and gas was also in a downturn too. And so I really didn't have much opportunity didn't want to go to university. I knew that wasn't for me. I wasn't going to go take on student loans to do something that I wasn't passionate about. And, you know, I started looking around. It's like, oil and gas, like, I don't know anything about it. But one thing I do know is there's a lot of rich motherfuckers driving around in <laughs> nice cars, nice houses in Midland. It's like, there's got to be something here. And I remember this conversation very distinctly. I'm in Gold's gym and I'm on bench press and, you know, I'm sitting there working out and I run into one of my old buddies, Alex. He was from high school and he told me, he's like, Yeah, I just got hired on as a roughneck at this company called Savannah Drilling. He's like, I'm making eighty thousand dollars a year and benefits. We're nineteen years old. And I'm like, holy shit, like I want on that. Long story short, I end up getting hired on at Savannah Drilling. And so start drilling oil and gas wells. And if you have any listeners that are outside of energy, there was a shell revolution. And this is where the United States became a massive producer of oil and gas, because now we were able to drill horizontal wells and frack and access the source rock where hydrocarbons come from. And that really started taking off around 2010, 2011. So I started off, we were drilling vertical conventional wells, and then boom, all of a sudden unconventionals started taking off. And I wanted to learn the oil and gas business from the ground up. And so I spent a couple years drilling, spent a couple years running wire lines, so I could learn the completion side of the business. And my goal when I was out on a drilling rig was I wanted to become the biggest oil man that's ever come out of Texas, which is a huge task considering some <laughs> of the oil men that have come out of Texas. I was just, it got in my veins. Like I was obsessed with oil and gas when I got into it. You know, it's funny because I'm not an oil and gas man now. You know, I bought some oil wells back in 2018 and I was like, you know what? I actually hate operating oil and gas wells. It's was like, it's a tough business that my skill set doesn't add any value to. And- you know, part of my story is that a lot of people don't know is in 2014, I had this job as a project manager and great job. I got to Gulf of Mexico on deepwater drill ships. I spent a month on the North Slope of Alaska, negative 60 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, just amazing experience getting to see all these oil and gas basins in the United States but I had a lot of time too. And so with that time, I saw the rise of Instagram and we started growing Instagram accounts, my wife and I, Julie. And one of our accounts was called Words of Success. And it was like the cringiest business motivational content, but it did really well on Instagram back then. And so grew that account to 300,000 followers. And then I was monetizing it, selling ads to people like Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, different brands that wanted exposure. So that was my first taste of producing content and monetizing it through advertising. And then my partner, Jake, back then he was at a uh, energy tech startup and his little brother was at an energy tech startup as well. And they needed help marketing. And they're like, Hey, we know this guy, Colin, he's built Instagram accounts. Like let's get his help marketing. And I'm like, all right, the first thing that we need to do is let's go see who the influencers are in the space. And this is back in 2016, 2017. So influencer marketing hadn't really hit yet. Dude, there was no one in one, I guess. Yeah. I go and run an analysis. No one was putting out content
0: Right. Oh, and, and in oil and gas. Yeah, definitely yeah, not. No, yeah. Even in just in general. And just in general.
1: No one's putting out content in one of the largest industries in the world. And I didn't know where to start, but I was like, hey, LinkedIn, there's people on here. I'm going to start posting LinkedIn content. And just started posting LinkedIn content. And to be honest, you know, I was kind of frustrated with the industry at that time. Like it wasn't hip. It wasn't cool. It wasn't sexy. I saw Silicon Valley and all these tech companies, and it looked like something that I wanted to work in. Yeah. And so i honestly kind of wanted to get out of the industry but i was like you know what let me see if we can change the culture can we change the culture i just started making posts and the one post that put me on the map was i make this little short three minute video just me walking around grand central station in denver and i make this post about how oil and gas companies to dot technology and i ended the video by saying that they need to evolve or die and boom that yeah. video takes off that's why you know we got this yeah. evolve or die sign in our studio Toby Rice got us a sign. Oh, he told nice. me when he saw that video that it inspired him. That means the fucking world to me to hear that from That's a guy wild. from like Toby Rice. So Crazy, boom. Man. Just started we wanted to challenge the status quo in oil and gas and just started parlaying that content into live events. We started doing these meetups and energy tech nights back in the day, back around 2018 and 19. And you know, these are just small things. We go get a couple kegs of beer and some pizza and It's me and Jake organizing it. So you can imagine how poorly organized it was. I remember our first one, you know, everyone's got a red cup of beer and we forgot plates. So they got a red cup of beer in one hand and just a slice of pizza in the other. Like, this is awesome. This isn't like anything (laughs) we've been to in oil and gas. And so, you know, what we build at Digital Wildcatters is we built community and we just did that very organically and building something that we wanted. And it turned out that a lot of other people wanted that as well. So yeah. It's been a hell of a ride. And, you know, for me, one thing is, is that, you know, coming from an oil-filled background, you know, you come from an oil-filled background, the industry needs to do a better job telling their story and controlling the narrative. And you do that through content. I think content is the highest form of leverage of our generation. And I have a feeling that you believe this as well. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. (laughs) That you like podcasting just to be able to tell stories and access people that you wouldn't probably be able to access. Yeah. That's just so important. And I hope that, you know, we've been able to kind of shine a light on that for the industry and kind of carve a path.
0: Yeah, no, you you certainly have. And I mean, it's such an interesting story. And I think part of why you and I get along and align a lot of what we do is, you know, again, you came from the rigs, I came from the rigs right out of high school, same thing. It's all I know. And, you know, one thing that, I'd made a post on LinkedIn. It was like, it's hard to be afraid when you come from cleaning toilets on a drilling rig. You know what I mean? Like it's like this is like all like magic to me. It's like, how am I here? Like I literally and then the first time I ever asked for vacation, I was cleaning the toilet in Canada. At the end of the tool pusher shack is the bathroom for the rig hands. And there's a door and his office is here. And then there's a door connected to this like tiny ass little bathroom stall. And I was so scared to go to around to like the actual front door of his thing. So I was like, well, if he knows I'm in here cleaning, he knows I'm doing my job. So I'll knock on the door <laughs> and we were working two crews. So I, it wasn't like you had two weeks on, two weeks off. It was like, you just work in Canada with breakup. You would work all winter and then you might get a couple months off yeah. during. So there was no like scheduled rotation. Yeah. And so I was cleaning the bathroom and I'm like, man, this is my time to ask for vacation. And so <laughs> I basically was like, I hit, I knocked on the floor, and I'm like, Daryl? And he was like, who in the hell is in the bathroom and why are you knocking? I thought, "Uh, I just got a question for you. And like, I was such a worm that like, I just didn't like looking back. I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Dude, you know what's
1: so funny about this story to me? So I broke out on Canadian rigs. They're down in West Texas, Savannah drilling. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about Canadian rigs, but they all have the same format. So our tool pushers shacks were the same exact way. Bathroom on the end. You had the door and the door led to a supply closet that was like in the tool pusher shack. (laughs) So. I was in those scrubbing those same same <laughs> toilet, so I can put myself in your shoes, right? And just imagine
0: how cringe it is, like looking back on it. Yeah, like little scrub brush in hand and green hard hat, and I'm like, Daryl, is, is there any way I can go home one of these days? Like, I have no end in sight here. Like, what's going on? And anyway, this is definitely not about me, but this kind of going back is like you know I can appreciate because you probably experienced some of the same things growing up on a you know I say growing up in your career. On a rig. It's hilarious. I
1: always I grew up on a rig. I grew up on rigs and grew up in the oil field and it's hard to be afraid when you come from a place like that. Because you're literally coming from the bottom. All you have is upside.
0: Exactly, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah. And I actually wrote a Twitter thread about this one time that it is a little bit you know, if you come from an affluent family, you have things to lose. Right. And you don't take those risks. And so it's actually a little bit of a disadvantage at times if you want to do anything great in life. But when you come from the bottom, (laughs) you don't have
0: shit to lose. So you're
1: you're willing to swing for the fences. And it's a very interesting cultural dynamic.
0: It is. Yeah. But kind of fast forwarding now, things obviously have completely changed. Things are going well. But I'm curious, what core belief have you changed your mind on over the last few years related to energy? I mean, coming from oil and gas, where it was probably us against the world to now, obviously, your mindset and what your vision and mission is around digital wildcatters, which I do want to talk about more in depth. But to answer your question, is there any sort of core belief that you've kind of reevaluated and thought, you know what, like, I thought this, but now I think, you know, a little different?
1: Man, that's a deep question. I like that a lot. But one, my thought process continuously evolves. If your mind can't be changed with data and facts and reasoning, you're probably not someone that I want to talk to or be friends with because I mean, this world's changing fast and you have to continuously evolve in your thought process and take in new data inputs. And so, you know, core belief though, I don't know if a core belief has changed, but I would say that I see the future of energy a bit different. You know, when I first got into oil and gas, like I thought oil and gas could never, never be stopped. And then, you know, I've really thought a lot over the years and Even if you take climate change out of the equation, oil and gas is still a finite resource. Now, how much supply is there? Who knows? I mean, all these horizontal wells that we're drilling, we only recover three to 4% of the oil. There's still a lot of oil underground, but at some point in society, we run out of oil and gas. So from that perspective, it's like, hey, you need new technological innovation to provide energy. And it's also very geographically dependent. You know, We don't have hydropower. Out in West Texas, it's a desert, but we have lots of oil and gas, lots of wind, lots of solar. Up in Canada, you have a ton of hydro Mm -hmm. because it makes sense. You have the resources for it. And so really looking at the energy mix, and I don't like saying energy transition because there's really not much of a transition, but there is an energy addition. We're adding a ton of renewables. I mean, you look at Texas, we are adding wind power like crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, And it's a good thing, but the y-axis on energy demand keeps growing over time, and it has the potential to grow infinitely, especially as we start, we want to start talking about colonizing Mars right? and yeah. traveling to other planets. It takes a lot of energy. Energy demand has the potential to increase infinitely. So even if you look at IEA estimates of the energy mix in 2050, oil and gas still makes up 90, million barrels a day, which... It's what we're at right now. Oil and gas is going to be around for a long time, but also understanding that we need to diversify our energy mix. We don't want to be reliant on any one foreign actor. We see what's happening in the world right now with Russia and Ukraine and Europe. And so I wouldn't say that a core belief has changed, but I would say that the focus of understanding that there needs to be a bridge between traditional energy and new energy and everyone needs to work together, like mm-hmm. we're pro-energy. right? And I think going even deeper on my understanding of other energy sources has been something that's really changed over the last three years or so. I wouldn't say like core belief change, but that'd sure. probably be like the closest thing.
0: Yeah. No. And, and I think you're starting to see that across the spectrum and especially as like a lot of folks on the renewable space understand that there's fascinating technology on the oil and gas space. Oil and gas understands, you know, we need to leverage some of the stuff. And so what you're seeing, and I started seeing the writing on the wall pre-COVID is that oil and gas companies were going to slowly evolve into being energy companies, which a lot of the Europeans were already doing that. In here in the US, a lot of them are more focused on like carbon capture, LNG. But ultimately, yeah, like the energy mix ultimately is going to become way more diverse. And I think you're going to start to see a balance. And it's like, what's so bad about having renewables while the sun's shining, the wind's blowing, and the water's flowing, but then having like a secure backup plan when it's dark and There's you may nothing- not have it. Like, you know, like, why is that bad? Like, why is There's it- There's nothing, like, they
1: don't compete with each other. Uh, <laughs> like, it's a good thing. We want more energy. And yeah. I really don't give a damn what source it comes from. As long as it's affordable, it's reliable. And, you know, I think like a lot of problems right now deal with- power markets and demand response. And so once we can figure out those issues, then you yeah. have a, even like we're going through growing pains right now. For sure. While we figure all this stuff out. And I think when you're someone that builds companies, you understand what it takes to get, like, you never just get from point A to point B. I mean, there's always steps. It's baby steps. It's a little bit of progress every day. And when you look at the overall energy market, I mean, that's what we're in right now. So yeah, that's one thing that talking i've been really fortunate to make a lot of friends that are founders in the climate tech space and i mean it's just cool as shit to yeah. see some of the technologies that are coming out you know i had a friend here the other day he's a geophysicist in oil and gas by background went to work for intel and now he's developed a energy storage solution that sequesters co2 injects the co2 in this closed loop system and the co2 holds the electrons wow that's cool that's an oil and gas guy right solving energy storage You know, you look at Moji, my friend Moji over at some Vita factory, taking CO2, injecting it, and then using DNA sequencing to create ethylene and other feedstocks. Those are oil and gas guys that are figuring out energy and climate solutions. And so if you look at what our mission is, a digital
0: wildcat. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We want to change the way that the world thinks about energy. So we want to raise energy IQ among society. You know, one of the like Nothing excites me more than you know, I'll talk to a friend up in New York City and he goes through and watches all my TikToks and listens to all my podcasts. He's like, I had no idea that energy was this important. He's like, no one talks about this in New York City. And I will do that one by one by one. Like, I will talk to people one by one to get that message out there because yeah. it's so rewarding. Just get people thinking. Right. You know, we talked about our Empower conference earlier. There's a young kid at my gym. You know, he's 20, 21 years old. He's a real estate agent has nothing to do with energy, but he came and volunteered at Empower. Nice. And now he comes up to me at the gym and he's talking about energy policy. And in Russia and Ukraine, he's like, man, people aren't talking about this. He's like, energy is the most important thing in our life. Nice. And he got that from <laughs> Empower. Like It was just a catalyst to learn. So raising energy IQ is important. And then also, I believe that we're building one of the most impactful networks to ever exist. I mean, the digital hatters community are the people that are solving the world's energy and climate problems. Yeah. and That's fucking cool to me that we've been able to build the platform and community and give that community the resources that they need yeah. to go attack those problems. Yeah. So that's what gets us fucking excited. Yeah. Every
0: day. <laughs> no, you can tell it, it, I mean, people obviously aren't in the room and hopefully we publish a video at some point, but like you can sense the energy coming from Colin, even through the microphone. I mean, it, it's deep. I mean, he's got such conviction and such a deep passion for raising the energy IQ because it's, you know, at the end of the day, Regardless if digital wildcatters existed or not, Colin and I would eventually pass and things might be a little different or not. But ultimately it's like a lot of it, it's a very interesting example that, you know, from the kid from your gym is like the younger generations, like we have to pass down and we have to create an environment and a space, a community, a platform to ultimately pass to them to where they can build on top of that. Yeah. And that's like the biggest thing that we can do is people that are in the energy spaces, you can't boil the ocean. I mean, like I always said, like I'm going to try with my podcast. I'll give her hell a try. Yeah. Chances are I may or may not. But if I can at least influence and educate my kids, yes. Then they can then pass that on. Yes. And through the podcast, I had a dude that's connected to my wife. She's in real estate, so it has nothing to do with oil and gas, but she's got a large network that all of a sudden starts listening into my stuff. I had a dude out of Oklahoma who was raised by a family who leaned politically on one side that was very much against oil and gas. And so he just through osmosis was like, well, oiling gas is bad. Well, then I connected with him and he was like, man, like you're such a good dude. Like you and your wife are awesome. I listened to your podcast. And then long story short, he's talking to his kid who didn't know what he wanted to do. He's like, man, you should get into petroleum engineering. Like this is a great career and something that you could add like a tremendous amount of value for like your community and the world. And it's dude, it's like one changing one person's mind at a time.
1: You're doing the things that don't scale.
0: And that's what everyone
1: always focuses on. It's like, well, I'm not an influencer. I don't have a million followers. Like you don't have to. I'm like, you have an Instagram? How many followers do you have on Instagram? You got 300? Cool. What if you talked about it on your Instagram stories and you changed the mind or you educated five people? Right. And then what did they go do? They go tell their son like, hey, maybe you should look at petroleum engineering. Right. That's, it's incremental change. Right. Showing up every day and doing those things one by one by one. You don't have to boil the ocean. Right. And you won't boil the ocean. (laughs) Right. you don't build anything great, We just talked about this. You don't go from A to B. Like You have to have incremental change. And imagine if you had everyone in the energy industry doing that. Right. There's millions of people. Yeah. And so that's what it takes. And I hope that the industry is still catching up to what social media is and how it's used. Yeah. And you're fortunate, man. You got AES is... Amazing for letting you have a voice and a platform. Yeah, because there's a lot of companies out there that won't let their people do that. That's and, true, man. You know, shame on those companies for doing that. And so that's something that we need to
0: figure out. And again, I think it's changing, and it all takes time, right? And you know, big shout out to AS drilling fluids. They've been like very utmost supportive. They took a recommendation that I had to start an internal podcast, which it's interesting because now a lot of oil field service companies, folks that I know, I mean, I know a ton of people in the OFS space they reach out and they're like, man, I've been trying to talk to our management, our marketing manager about starting a podcast, but they're hesitant, this and that. And then like some of the K- like the success stories that I have within the AES podcast to talk to other oilfield service companies, they're like, we should have been doing this a long time ago, but there's still this hesitancy of doing it. <laughs> yeah. I talked to this company out of Norway and they, you know, again, talking about content and like the ROI and the underpriced attention and you know, going to a conference to where you can meet a handful of people. Whereas if you do it online, you can, you know, obviously you can scale your message, yeah. you know, like hundred X. And so I was just kind of walking through some examples and some things that I've experienced through doing what I've been doing. And he's the chief commercial officer. And he was like, this is unreal. And he was taking notes. He's like, I'm going to get with our marketing team and this and that. But yet there's still hesitancy from their executive level who, you know, again, You only know what you know as you are evolving in your thing. So if you're, you know, 20 years ago, someone in their 30s and 40s, they romanticize about what has worked to get them to where they are without understanding how to like get from where they are to the next level. And so that's where I always preach is like for those who romanticize and like just hinge or like kind of hook their teeth into like what got them to where they're at from the last 10 years. You're gonna have a hell of a time trying to get to the next level and compete with those who embrace the change. And you know, again, through content creation, two months ago they said they wanted to be the best content creator on TikTok. Shell, that was amazing to me. I put that out on, I think, Twitter and maybe LinkedIn. Was you know how like, many people sent me that job application to be their TikTok, oh, to the TikTok <laughs> manager? Yeah, right. I had like, like fifty people send me
1: They're like, you need to apply for this.
0: Yeah, right. And so it's like, and again, like they have the sense to understand where the underpriced attention is. Another example. All the interns that came to AES this summer, I'm fascinated about like consumer behavior and like just the younger generation, because that's ultimately where the money's spent, where the influence is, and you know, the next up and coming leadership. So I'll talk to them and I said, Where do you spend most of your time? Unless you're at school in the books, I'm like, What are you doing? Each and every single one of them said, TikTok and YouTube. Okay, so if schools and if companies want to adopt the best talent, why are you not putting yourself and spreading your message on these platforms? It's evolve or die. Right. Exactly. This industry
1: never had to market themselves. Right. They never had to market themselves. You produce a commodity, the world's going to buy the commodity. Yeah. Times have changed. Right. And I was just talking to one of the biggest EMPs about this last night. Let's hanging out with and they're like, you have to market yourself now. Yeah. And tell your story. And I was giving a talk to the New Mexico Oil and Gas Association. And so there's probably like, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 people in this room. And it's all like good, hardworking, old school, oil and gas folks. You know, I got up there and told them, I had this talk and they're like, someone asked me a question, like, how do we get out of the echo chamber? Like, yeah, we can talk about these things in this room, but we're preaching to the choir here. And I'm like, you go where they hang out. I said they're on TikTok. They're on YouTube. Right? Yeah. <laughs> those are the two platforms where they're at. I said, we need to be creating content on those. And I love that Shell's looking for a TikTok creator. But the thing is, is it can't come from the major oil companies. It comes from people. Just yeah. like the story that you told, you know, converting someone to at least being open-minded to oil and gas and energy. It's because he's like, oh, you're a nice guy. Right. You're a good person. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we're not trying to kill the planet here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> we're just trying to do good and produce energy to fuel the world. Yeah. Right? The work that we do is good. And so I think it's up to people like you and all the millions of people that work in the industry to tell the story, and I think that we're making great progress.
0: Yeah, and I think so too. And so I'm curious, from your perspective, as a very seasoned content creator, a lot of people they're hesitant to get on there, whether because their employer is like, "Oh, you have to be careful in what you say, what you do, how you do it." But then a lot of people just don't. They don't like putting themselves out there for fear of judgment. Maybe a little insecure. Maybe they feel yeah. like imposter syndrome. Well, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to make it seem like I know more than I do. And so. How would you like, whether you're a young grad or whether you're, you know, someone who's been in the industry for twenty years plus, like, what are some like very basic things that people like that can do to get on LinkedIn, to get on whether Instagram, like what's your kind of like starter kit to creating content?
1: Gary V has a quote that has stuck with me forever and it's document, don't create. Yeah. And I'll dive into that and unpack that a little bit here in a second. But first I want to preface it not everyone has to be me. Not everyone has to be Justin and be full-time content creators and thinking about this all the time. Like that's not what we're saying people have to do. And you know, like I particularly really put myself out there. I get a lot of hate from all different types of people across the internet. And to be honest, I run off of hate, so it works for me, but it doesn't work for a lot of people. And a lot of people do have fear of being judged or getting trolled and things like that. And so one thing that I like to tell people is one, you don't have to be a content creator, but start telling your story. Hey, did you learn something from someone that day? Maybe a mentor, you know, maybe you're a geologist and you learned something and you wanna pass, hey, LinkedIn posts, I learned something fascinating today from, you know, Elizabeth, senior geologist. She taught me about this. Boom, give value. Mm-hmm. teach people and one thing that technical professionals really struggle with is this imposter syndrome but you also get stuck in this bubble where look i put out a tiktok video a while back it's like what is a drill bit and it did 1.1 million views on tiktok and you know i had some trolling and they're like oh you said jets are in the cone they're not in the cone like yeah sorry i did it on one take and i said it wrong like, right
0: yeah i know i'm I trying to
1: yeah. <laughs> i'm trying to populate or educate the general population here no one like gives a shit. yeah but just understanding like there's someone below you that it's not up to your level of understanding and you can boil things down this is the whole you know you're on the energy 101 podcast and you know the whole thesis of that podcast is like hey we're gonna ask the quote-unquote dumb questions they're not dumb questions they're right. just questions that people want to know about energy like there's so much knowledge that we have to break down in very simple terms for the general public. And there's this weird stigma in engineering and technical professionals where it's like, oh, I don't want to put myself out there. It's actually kind of weird in oil and gas because there's actually some polarization there because you have that camp, but then you also have the camp where people want to really flex it how much they know <laughs> and
0: like, yes.
1: and you know, these SPE white papers and debates, they're like, oh, I know more than you do. And it's just a, you know, ego contest. So there's actually <laughs> two no, polarizations. I, on I, yes. But no, hundred yeah, percent. My thing is one, just get started and document something, just document something, a conversation you had with something or something that you're proud of. And people are like, I don't want to promote myself. Promote yourself, have confidence in yourself hmm If you don't, no one else is. Right. 100%. If you don't have confidence in yourself, how the fuck can you expect anyone else to have confidence in you? Right. So one, have some confidence, promote yourself. Don't be afraid of that. I worked with this, um, a little side tangent story, but I got asked to come speak to this nonprofit. And the nonprofit was special forces that are transitioning into a civilian career. So I'm in the room with like 30, maybe 40 Navy SEALs, F-16 pilots, Green Berets. I mean, these- people are fucking high quality people Mm -hmm. and talking about how to use LinkedIn. And the military has a huge stigma about putting yourself out there. Actually, I'm going to wrap this up into a cool story. So one of the guys, his name's John Allen. He's a former Navy SEAL, was blown up over in Afghanistan. I mean, dude is the real deal. And he's one of the ones that started this nonprofit. And back then when they came to ask me to come speak to the group, He was starting to post on LinkedIn and was finding success there, storytelling. And he just kept doing that. Now he's one of the biggest YouTubers and podcasters in the world. He just launched his podcast two months ago. It overtook Joe Rogan for a week. Now it's number two, Mr. Ballin Hmm, podcast. Like he's so famous now. I was talking about him and my kid's like, you know, Mr. Ballin? I'm like, John, (laughs) I didn't even know he was big on social media. I didn't even know. He blew up. I didn't even know. Really? You know what he did? He got on TikTok right before COVID. And he did something, he thought it was like, he was embarrassed. He thought it was corny, but he told a scary story. It was like that story about the hikers up in the mountains that had like eat each other for survival or whatever. Yeah. And he just made a TikTok telling that story and then puts his phone down. He goes to the movies with his family. He comes back, millions of views. What? That was it. That's crazy. And now he does content on scary stories. Really? Yeah. And would he have ever got there if he didn't just start telling his story. You can go look him up. John Allen on LinkedIn. His first LinkedIn posts are about his time in service. Mm -hmm. You know, talking about how scared his mom was when she got the call that, you know, he was hurt. Yeah. Overseas. That led into, he's one of the biggest influencers in the world now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's one thing about like, you know, whether it's the TikTok algo or like the LinkedIn algo, whatever algorithm is connected to whatever platform was like, like some of my best performing posts are ones that like I put no thought into and were just like <laughs> that I thought were dumb, silly, and I was like, I just need it. And then it was just like the creative juices just like spur of the moment shit like all of a sudden came out and then all of a sudden boom. And what you think it may be a dumb post may be so valuable for some people that all of a sudden that's what gets you going. You never you never example. know. Yeah. It's actually it'll drive there needs to be a term that's coined for
1: that. What gets traction is always the stuff that you would think <laughs> yeah, is traction dude, and, then, and so, then some of the posts are like sometimes i put all my this work into it, i'm like oh yeah this is a banger and then like, <laughs> it's like three likes <laughs> yeah
0: bro i had the yeah. same thing happen to me the other day i'm like how is that a flop i'm yeah. like that was
1: dope <laughs> like, like, that was
0: good shit how is like, it i know man it's crazy but yeah so my advice yeah. is
1: like one get started start small start on a medium that you're comfortable with a lot right. of people aren't comfortable in front of video. right? They always tell me like, oh, you're so com Like you're natural in front of video. I'm like, you should have seen my videos back in 2017. They were cringe. Like I can't go watch them. Right. It's just repetition and practice and getting comfortable. But yeah. start with a medium. A lot of people are good at writing. So right. start off with some LinkedIn posts or start a blog, start an email newsletter. If you like talking, start a podcast. Right. It's easier than ever now to start a podcast. It's not easy to create content, but you can create a podcast pretty easy, like actually technically yeah. get it up and running. So yeah, that's my advice is just get started and document. Don't that's, create.
0: that's great advice, man. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for anyone listening out there. Can you tell them, you know, so you're on LinkedIn, just mention the platforms that you're active on, and then I'll put all the links in the show notes. Yeah. And then just some upcoming events kind of going into 2023.
1: Yeah. If you want to find me on social media, my handle across all platforms is frackslap. Fr F-R-A-C-L-A. SLAP, Twitter, TikTok's where I spend most of my time now. So find me over there. Find Digital Wallcatters, digitalwalkcatters.com. Our Digital Wallcatters YouTube has a ton of great content too. So yeah, if you want to go to Fuse Conference, we hope to see you there. I think we'll get Justin a discount code for all the listeners. So yeah, you can bother him, send him a message, and <laughs> we'll
0: get you hooked up with a discount. Sweet. Awesome. Colin, thank you so much for all the listeners out there. Really appreciate it. Share this episode. For anyone interested, especially if you're in Houston, hit me up if you're interested in going to Fuse. Again, it's just—it's an amazing conference. We need to see you there. And if not, there'll be a ton of content that you can at least kind of check in and see what happened around the conference. Thanks for listening. And as a reminder, please reach out to me if you'd like to sponsor the show. Until next time, always remember that everyone deserves access and we is greater than me. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. And look, if you or your organization wants to start a podcast, please visit my website and sign up for a free guide on how to start a successful podcast. Once you get through it, let me know if you have any questions or in getting started. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Peace.